Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. Getting over it. Getting over it. I'm reminded of one of our members in the Unity Center from many, many years ago. She passed quite a number of years ago now. Her name was Jane McAllen, much loved in our community. In fact, she was our drummer for many, many years, just a, a heart and personality that was enormous. And she carried so much of this mom energy. In fact, I think many people in our congregation looked at her like another mom. And she had a saying, and she could get away with this saying to anyone, anytime it needed to be said. And she'd look at them squarely in the eye if they were just holding on to something or acting out. She would just look at them and say, get over it. Get over it. Get over it. Life can be difficult. It really can be. There can be all sorts of challenges that we experience. Stuff just happens, right? And some of the stuff is kind of little, some of it not so little, and some of it really big. But, but stuff happens, life happens. And learning how to deal with it, learning how to let go of stuff is important because when we hold on to it, <clears throat> it holds us back. We hold ourselves back. So how do we learn to get over it? How do we learn to get over it? I'm reminded of the legend of two monks who were out for a very long walk in the woods. And part of their practice, in their practice, they had taken a vow of celibacy and had, take, had taken a vow to never have any physical contact with women. And as they were on this long walk, they came upon a river, a small river, and there was a woman at the riverbank edge who was sobbing. She was afraid she needed to get to the other side of the river, but she was afraid of the water. And the first monk just swam across and went to the other side, ready to continue on the journey. But the second monk decided, despite his vow, to pick her up and to help her across the river, and then set her down. And the two continued, the two monks continued on their journey, but the one who had helped the woman couldn't help but notice that the other monk was agitated and quite upset. And so he asked him, why are you so upset? And the monk responded and said, well, you broke a sacred vow. You know we're not to have any contact at all with women, and yet you picked her up and you carried her. You broke your vow. And the monk who did assist the woman looked at him and said, I only carried her across the river. You have been carrying her all these hours that we've been walking. Don't you think it's time to put her down? I only carried her across the river. You've carried her all day long. Don't you think it's time to put her down? Don't you think it's time to put it down? Whatever has been eating away at you, whatever has been unresolved, whatever you've been holding on to, if it is not building you up and helping you move forward in your life, 
don't you think it's time to put it down? I know that some stuff takes longer to get over. I know that from ministry, and I know that in my personal life. Not all of the stuff that happens in our lives is of the same scale. Some is more minor and some is really serious, but eventually, eventually for our own well-being, and really for the well-being of those around us that we care most about, we have got to learn how to get over stuff. So where do we begin? What do we do? If you've been with us over these last few weeks, you know that I've been pulling from some of my favorite examples and, and um actions of Jesus in his ministry. And though in unity we do not look at Jesus the way most in mainline Christianity do, we still very much respect Jesus' teachings and that he was very much a master teacher of consciousness. And we believe that he came to provide a way for people to live their lives better that it wasn't about conversion, it wasn't about religion, it was about inner spiritual transformation. And so the first idea I'd like to share with you in getting better at getting over it, over it is this, that we have to discern what is truly important and let the rest slide. We have to discern what is really important and let the rest slide. And though Jesus did not use those words, he did point to that idea in an example in his ministry involving two sisters, Mary and Martha. Let me read it to you. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. To which Jesus responded, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What was he saying? To her. What was he saying of the situation? He was trying to teach the idea that we have got to, in any situation in our lives, we've got to discern what is truly important and let the rest slide. Putting some context, some cultural context around this story, the reason that that Martha was so upset is when a guest, especially a loved friend, but when a guest would come into a home, the women were expected to, to prepare for that guest, even if it was a spontaneous guest. They were to make sure that there was food, that the guest was well welcomed. And so there was a lot of busyness to make that guest feel honored. And Martha knew that, and so did Mary for that matter, and so did Jesus. But Martha, in that moment, was not able to discern what really was more important and let go of what was less important. And in the context of being in the presence of their friend and their teacher, what was far more important to hold on to was the moment, the opportunity, 
to be with him and to learn from him. And that's why in the in this story, we're, we're told that Mary sat at his feet, which is a way, I believe, of saying was eager to be with him and, and experience whatever it was in conversation or teaching that he would have imparted in that context. So part of getting over it is absolutely being able to discern what is really important, what really matters. And we'll go into this a little bit more in a few minutes here. A second idea is the importance to resist the temptation to get even. To resist the temptation to get even and to focus instead on the gift of growth or the life lesson. Let me repeat that. Resist the temptation to get even. Focus instead on the gift of growth, the life lesson. Think of the last time that you were driving and someone cut you off and was very rude. What came up for you? Depending on where you are in your spiritual growth and your, your personal maturity, all sorts of things could have come up for you. You may have just been able to quickly let it go. You might have had a moment of feeling irritated or a moment of maybe even fear because you might have gotten hit. Or if you weren't able to get over it, you may have given what we call a less than supportive hand gesture to the person for not driving the way they should have. Resisting the temptation to get even means that we have, we're making a conscious choice because sometimes there is a knee-jerk reaction when someone slights us or insults us or offends us or does something rude or inconvenient or wrong. There is a human tendency to want to even the score, to, to, to get even. And, you know, Jesus talked about this a little bit when he contrasted his teaching to that of the Old Testament. And he did this quite frequently because he could see in much of the Old Testament teaching too much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Too much holding on to the literal and missing the real intent behind it. He talked about the challenge of an eye for an eye, that we were to transcend this teaching of an eye for an eye. It was Gandhi who said, an eye for an eye mentality makes the whole world blind. And so rather than, than um, meeting it on an equal score, we are meant to respond in a better way. I think it's important for us when something happens and we're tempted to try to even the score, or we're tempted to retaliate. It's important for us, I believe, to, to try to catch ourselves in that moment and to ask ourselves a question like this. Is it really a big thing or am I making it so? Is it really a big thing or am I making it so? Be honest. Ask yourself, this is a, a, a way to kind of get yourself in a place of being very self-reflective and honest, I think. Ask yourself, how would a person that you really admire handle themselves in that situation, in the situation that maybe you're feeling like, I just want to even the score. I'm going to, I'm going to make that driver know that I don't like what that driver did, or whatever the example might be for you, or the situation might be for you. When we can get into the practice of stopping ourselves for a moment and just asking, 
is it really worth it? I mean, how many accidents have been caused? How much physical damage or harm has been done when we act in a way because we're tempted to get even? But instead, if we can be honest, if we can instead ask ourselves, wait a minute, Wendy, how would someone I really respect and admire handle themselves? I bet we would make a good choice, a better choice, a choice that leads to this very next idea. And the very next idea is this. A part of getting over it is coming from what's highest and not what's lowest in us. Coming from what's highest, not lowest in us. We all have both. We all have both. We have that which is high and good and pure and noble and loving, and we have the other. We have the other. And noticing that we do, but making that choice of what and how we're going to respond, what we're going to respond from, makes all the difference in the world. In our youth village, we often teach the children this concept by talking about the big me and the little me. Now, we all have a big me in us, and we have a little me in us. The big me is loving and kind and, and wants to do what, what is good, what is right. The little me, not so much so, right? And what a different dynamic we create in our relationships. If we're willing to be the one that says, okay, I'm going to do my best, to come from what's highest in me, the God in me, the divine in me. Three men were stranded on an island, and they'd been there for a very long time. It was a tough situation, and they just were hoping that they could get back to their normal lives, kind of like us, I guess, you know, living through more than a year now of, of a pandemic. We long to get back to our normal lives. And so these three guys stranded on an island wanted very much to get off. And, and of course, you know what's coming. Washed ashore was a bottle with the genie in it, and they rubbed it, the genie popped out, and the genie says, okay, I see there's three of you, so I'll give each of you one wish, but only one wish. And so they each are thinking about, what do I really, 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 really want? And so the first man says, you know, I really do want to be home. I miss my wife. I miss my kids. I just want to be home. And poof, his wish is granted. And he's home with his wife and his kids. And he's, he's happy. The other thinks, well, you know, I could wish to be really, really Rich, I could wish to travel the world. I think I want to travel the world. Not this island, but I think I want to travel the world. I want to get off this island, travel, with, travel the world. And poof, his wish comes true. And the third thinks, oh my gosh, what do I want? What do I want? He says, I know what I want. I'm really lonely here. I wish for my two friends to be back with me on this island. And they're right back with it. Was he coming from what is highest and best? Not at all. Not at all. It's a choice, isn't it? And so much of what we practice in unity is all about the choices that we make, the spiritual choices that we make, knowing that there is so much that can happen in our lives, in our circumstances, in our relationships, over which we don't have control. There's some things we do have control over, but there's a lot that we don't. 
But what we always can control is our response to whatever has happened to us. We can always control what we choose to tell ourselves about what has happened. We always can choose how we're going to think about it, how we're going to frame it. Those choices, no matter what lies beyond our control, those choices are always within our control. And so this idea that we can always choose to come from what's highest and best in us is absolutely within us. It's in unity, we also refer to it as coming from the Christ nature or the God nature. A fourth piece of getting over it is the idea of being willing to walk away without the anger. Being willing to walk away without the anger. Being willing to walk away without the anger. I've used this example recently, but it fits so perfectly with Jesus' teachings and with this teaching, to be willing to walk away without the anger when he sent his disciples out to share his message, to share his ideas, which today to us now are very known, but his ideas in those days were pretty radical, his teaching. So much so that his enemies wanted to do away with him, right? They were radical ideas, and Jesus knew that. And when he sent his disciples out to share his teaching, to share his message, he also said to them, and if you go and you try to do this in a village or in a place where they do not listen or where they do not accept you or do not welcome you, leave. Shake the dust off your feet and leave. The idea of being able to, to walk away but without holding on to one of my favorite words, the ick, to walk away without holding on to the anger. Let it go. I know it can be hard because it hints at being wrong or allowing someone else to be right when you know what they did was wrong. Let me repeat that. Let it go. I know it can be hard because it hints at being wrong or allowing someone else to be right when you know what they did was wrong. For our own well-being, learning how to get better at getting over stuff is important. It's well worth our time, our practice, and our effort. Our physical well-being will be the better for it. We know, and science now supports, that when we hold toxic emotions, such as resentment and bitterness and anger or unforgiveness inside, we're the ones that suffer the most, and our bodies suffer. And if you believe, as I do, that we do not end where our bodies end, that there is an energy emanation around us, whatever you want to call it, that energy moves forward and outward from us into our lives. And it either creates a field of love and welcome around us that attracts to us things that are like it, vibrating at the same level, things that, and opportunities that are positive and rich and satisfying, if we are coming from what is highest and best in us, or if we are holding on, carrying her, like the story I opened with, all day long, and for some, carrying whatever it is for weeks and months and years, 
We're going to be creating an energy within us that spoils everything around us. So what have you been holding on to? What have you been holding on to that's bringing you down, really, or is holding you back, that it's now time for you to get over? Namaste.